Well, good morning, friends, and uh, welcome to St Matthew's this morning uh, to this special Passion Tide service. Uh, our Passion Tide service is what we're calling it. The week before uh, Easter, the Sunday before Easter, is traditionally called Palm Sunday. So as we get underway and before we sing together, I'm going to lead us in a traditional Palm Sunday uh, prayer. Almighty and ever-living God, in your tender love for the human race, you sent your Son, our Saviour Jesus Christ, to take upon him our nature and to suffer death upon the cross, giving us the example of his great humility. Mercifully grant that we may walk in the way of his suffering and also share in his resurrection. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God forever. Amen. Amen. Please stand and join our musicians as they lead us in singing In, Christ, in the Christ I Glory. Please be seated. It's wonderful to see you all this morning and I'd like in particular to extend a very warm welcome to you if you're a guest with us at St Matthew's. It's great to have you here this Passion Tide service. Uh, I'd like to welcome amongst our musicians uh, guests from other services at St Matthew's. Uh, our, our two violinists are, are Shem and Hiroko. Hiroko's a member of, is it five or ten Hiroko? 
of the five o'clock service, and Shem is a member of the Night Church, as well as a newly elected parish councillor. Um, but we're <laughs> so she'll be serving on our parish council along alongside Jennifer Starrick, a member of this congregation uh, who was also elected. But welcome if you're new amongst us. It's great to have you here. We've got a fantastic service planned over the next hour or so. And then we, we share together in morning tea out, out in the uh, function room and we'd love to join you. you. We'd love you to join us afterwards. Uh, my name's Andrew Graham, by the way, and I'll be leading the service and giving a short talk towards the end. Uh, in the next little while, very shortly, we'll be praying to God, bringing concerns of our hearts to him. And we'll be hearing a little bit of church news. And then the centerpiece of what we're doing this morning is uh, an integrated sequence of Bible readings, uh, songs that we'll listen to and hymns that we'll sing. Uh, so that'll be a, a, a wonderful way. I hope you find it a very helpful way of preparing for Easter next weekend. But now we are going to turn to the Lord in prayer. Uh, we bring all sorts of concerns with us to church, uh, concerns on a very large scale about things that are happening around the world that distress us, news of war and of floods and of tornadoes and all sorts of things that trouble us. And, and closer to home, between us, each of us will have things in our own lives and in the lives of people that we love that concern us. So we're going to have a time of quiet prayer for you to pray silently to God. But before then, let me give you this word of encouragement from Psalm 62 about how we can find rest in God. It says, yes, my soul, find rest in God. My hope comes from him. Truly, he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. And after a time of silent prayer, we'll join together in praying the Lord's Prayer. Okay, if you could draw those prayers to a close. Let's join together and collect up our prayers as together we pray out loud the way that Jesus taught his first disciples to pray in the words of the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Amen. We're going to, going to see some church news uh, on the screen in a moment, but I'll mention, just before we get to that, something quite specific to this congregation. 
Uh, many of you will remember that we, we heard news in the new year that on Boxing Day, one of our brothers, uh, Basil South, had died on Boxing Day and gone to be with the Lord. And very soon after that, his whole family were here from overseas. There was a private cremation. Uh, there were, the plan was always to have a memorial service sometime later. So the whole family are back in Sydney and this Wednesday afternoon at 2.30pm here at St Matthew's, there'll be a memorial service in celebration of Basil's life and in thanksgiving to God for his life and salvation. Let's hear some more news from St Matthew's. Well, day and welcome to church. Especially if you heard the music and just decided to pop in, or perhaps you're here because someone invited you. So glad that you've joined us today. Now, whatever it is that brought you here, if it is your first time, we would love to hear from you. And the best way to do that is by scanning one of these under the seats in front of you. Shoot us through some feedback, a question, a request, and we will hit you back sometime this week. As I'm sure you well know, the Easter weekend is almost upon us. You may have noticed our Easter poke postcards around the place. These have all the details you could need about what's happening here across the weekend. We'll be kicking off things with two services on Good Friday morning at 8am and 10am. Both of these services are usually pretty packed out, so make sure you arrive with enough time to find a seat and the car park will be open. Same goes with Easter Sunday. We'll be running four services at our normal times. Again, these will be busier than normal. We always get lots of guests across the day, so make sure you factor that in. If you're just visiting with us today, do consider joining us again for one of these services next weekend. Uh, Easter is the most significant weekend in the church calendar, and it's not to be missed. For our regulars, I wonder, have you invited anyone to join you yet? Speaking of invitations, we've put together packs of Easter postcards that are ready for delivery to every home in Manly. Now for many, this could actually be one of the most important bits of mail they get all year. Imagine that. And we have the chance to be a part of it. Is that something you could help us with? We love all the packs to be accounted for by the end of today. By my count, there's about 10 left. So if you're in, grab one before you go today check the map and help get the word out this week. That's it from me. Enjoy the rest of the service. Continuous holy, O thou 
made me trust in you, even at my mother's breast. From birth I was cast on you. From my mother's womb you have been my God. Do not be far from me, for trouble is near and there is no one to help. Many bulls surround me, strong bulls of Bashan encircle me. Roaring lions that tear their prey open their mouths wide against me. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax and melted within me. My mouth is dried up like a potsherd. My tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Dogs surround me. A pack of villains encircles me. They pierce my hands and my feet. All my bones are on display. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. But you, Lord, do not be far from me. You are my strength. Come quickly to help me. Deliver me from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dogs. Rescue me from the mouth of the lions. Save me from the horns of the wild oxen. I will declare your name to my people in the assembly. I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, honour him. Revere him, all you descendants of Israel. For he has not despised or scorned the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from him, but has listened to his cry for help. From you comes the theme of my praise in the great assembly. Before those who fear you, I will fulfill my vows. The poor will eat and be satisfied. Those who seek the Lord will praise him. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the world shall remember themselves and be turned to the Lord. And all the families of the nation shall worship him. Oh, the kingdom is the Lord. 
See, my servant will act wisely. He will be raised and lifted up, high exalted. Just as there were many who were appalled at him, his appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any human being and his form marred beyond human likeness. So he will sprinkle many nations and kings will shut their mouths because of him. For what they were not told, they will see. And what they have not heard, they will understand. Who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we could sit in him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him and by his wounds we are healed. We are all like sheep and have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before its shearers is silent. So he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. Yet who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many. And he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great. And he will divide the spoils with the strong. Because he poured out his life unto death. And was numbered with the transgressors. And he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors.
The next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, as it is written. Uh, Do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. At first, his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realise that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. Now there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the festival. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, with a request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. Philip went to tell Andrew. Andrew and Philip, in turn, told Jesus. Jesus replied, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honour the one who serves me. Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No. It was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it and will glorify it again. The crowd that was there heard it and said it had thundered. Others said an angel had spoken to him. Jesus said, this voice was for your benefit, not mine. Now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show the kind of death he was going to die. Shall the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped? Then shall the lame man leap as unlocked and the tongue of the dumb shall sing.
Finally, Pilate handed him over to be crucified. So the soldiers took charge of Jesus. Carrying his own cross, he went out to the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him, and with him, two others, one on each side, Jesus in the middle. Pilate had a notice prepared and fastened that to the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this sign, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and the sign was written in Aramaic, Latin, and Greek. The chief priests of the Jews protested to Pilate, do not write the King of the Jews, but that this man claimed to be King of the Jews. Pilate answered, what I have written, I have written. When the soldiers crucified Jesus, they took his clothes, dividing them into four shares, one for each of them, with the undergarment remaining. This garment was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. Let's not tear it, they said to one another. Let's decide by lot who will get it. This happened that the scripture might be fulfilled that said, they divided my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. So this is what the soldiers did. Later, knowing that everything had now been finished and so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, It is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Now, it was the day of preparation, and the next day was to be a special Sabbath. Because the Jewish leaders did not want the bodies left on the crosses during the Sabbath, they asked Pilate to have the legs broken and the bodies taken down. The soldiers therefore came and broke the legs of the first man who had been crucified with Jesus and then those of the other. But when they came to Jesus and found that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side with a spear, bringing a sudden flow of blood and water. The man who saw it has given testimony, and his testimony is true. He knows that he tells the truth, and he testifies so that you also may believe. These things happened so the scripture would be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. And as another scripture says, they will look on the one they have pierced. Let's all stand and join together in the singing of the hymn, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. <laughs>
Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, in any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of self-ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking for your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance of a, as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. For this reason... Since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God being strengthened with all the power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace 
through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behaviour. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you wholly in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation if you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you have heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven. Let's stand now and join together in the singing of the collection hymn, In Christ Alone.
a seat. Someone down the front said, wow. <laughs> and it was great. Look, now might be a good time uh, to show our appreciation for our musicians, including our, our two visitors from other members of the con uh, other parts of the congregation. Uh, there is more to come. There's another song that we'll sing to close the service this morning. Uh, but first, here are some lyrics from uh, Paul Kelly, a Paul Kelly song, which move me, the song moves me every time I hear it. Um, it begins with these words, which are not on the screen. All the kings and queens in the Bible, they could not turn back time. What chance have I of a miracle in this life of mine? He goes on to sing, please give me back today and I won't say the things I said or do that thing I did. Oh, let me start today again. I only want one day, 24 little hours, to unsay the things I said, undo that thing I did. I often wonder as I'm listening to that song, is he describing something that actually happened to him? Or is he telling a story about a moment that any of us might recognise in our own experience? Looking back on something that you've been involved in that makes you wish you could turn back time and have another go. One of the awful things about that sort of thing, depending on its impact on others, is it, it, it's like a crystal bulb <laughs> that you bump off the shelf in the, um, in the kitchen and it smashes on the floor. I mean, some things we do and their consequences cannot be unshattered. They're broken. They're broken. And it's doubly awful when we realise that we're to blame. That the, the, the blame, the guilt rests purely on our shoulders. That's part of being human, isn't it? That we can't turn back time. There are some things we say which cannot be unsaid. Some things which cannot be undone. And maybe even if they can... Their consequences. Sometimes we make a mess that we're fully responsible for that we just cannot fix. Now, I've put the lyrics of that song up there because today we're preparing for Easter. And the message of Easter is that when Jesus died and rose again, God was doing what was necessary to fix the worst of things that we have done for which we are responsible. At the cross, God is doing everything to lift that burden of blame and of guilt from us. He's doing what none of us have the right to do in a beautiful way. It brings us forgiveness and peace and joy. So this morning, we've been hearing about that through that sequence of readings, beginning with uh, Psalm 27, in which the experience that David describes foreshadows the suffering of Jesus on the cross. In fact, words from that psalm are quoted in that reading that we heard from John a little later. There are a whole series of beautiful readings there, uh, leading from David through the prophet Isaiah, through the, the, the gospel writer John, who was the closest friend of Jesus, who saw him doing the things that, that had been foreshadowed and prophesied, to the reflections of the Apostle Paul in Colossians and in Philippians. What I want to do over the next few moments is just to focus in on one of those readings. Uh, you might have picked it up when you saw the heading, Suffering Servant. 
I'm going to zero in on, on, on uh, Isaiah 53. But I'm going to start focusing on Isaiah 53 by taking you to the story of someone who was reading it after Jesus had died and risen again. It's in Acts chapter 8. Uh, it, it's it's a, a man who is an Ethiopian official who's travelled for whatever reason all the way up to Jerusalem. And on his way home, he's reading the very reading that we heard this morning from Isaiah 53. And he meets one of the early Christian leaders, Philip. And this is what, this is what he says. Tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about? Himself or, or someone else? And then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. See, one of the things you will have picked up this morning if you're not, no, not so familiar with the sequence of things through the Bible is the crucifixion of Jesus was always part of God's plan. He announced it through prophets like Isaiah and through Psalms like Psalm 21. And so in Isaiah 53, verse 10, we read, It was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. Before the beginning of time, this was God's plan for our world, that his son should come and suffer for what reason? Well, the reason for his suffering, and this is possibly the most important thing I'll say this morning, the reason for the suffering of Jesus was to do what none of us has the right to do, to shift blame from our shoulders to somebody else. And the way he did that, chapter 53, verse 5 says, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Now, if we're going to understand what that means, it's really critical that we understand those words transgressions and iniquities. Unless the ways in which they differ and more the, the reality that those two words point to if you were to go back to the beginning of the, the prophet Isaiah's work, which stretches to 66 chapters, you would, you would find out pretty quickly the, tra tra the transgressions that he's describing to his own generation. Uh, they were the people of God, the ancient people of Israel. And for decades, for centuries, for generations, they had spurned the God who had lovingly called them to be his own special people. And that exchanged worship for the, the true and living God, the God who'd bound himself to them. They spurned his love for them and they worshipped other gods, the gods of the people around them. Gods whom Isaiah mocks because some of them are made out of wood. And he says, look, you make an idol for yourself out of half your wood and the other half you, you use to warm your hands and cook your food. Ridiculous. That, that you should bow down and worship anyone other than the true God, as if an idol of wood or stone or metal can give you the, the, um, the prosperity that you're looking for in life. You're too timing with God, he says. You're, you're, adult, you're adulterous when it comes to your faithfulness to God. Today, uh, you may be only too aware of your sin, your guilt. Or maybe you're only just beginning to realise. You're, you're learning about who God is and you're learning what an offence it is to, 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 to do anything less than love him with everything that makes you who you are. 
something we've been hearing about here at St Matthew's after, over the last couple of months, focusing in on what Jesus described as the greatest commandment, to love God with all your heart and all your mind and all your strength and all your soul. Maybe you're just becoming aware of how wrong you've been to, to, to waltz through life, to walk through life as if God's not there, or to only turn to him when you have a time of difficulty and not thank him every day for everything that he's given you. It's only when you realise the weight of the blame that you carry, you realise how good the good news of Jesus is. See, Jesus was pierced for our transgressions. He was pierced for our iniquity. Or as it goes on to say in chapter 53, verse 12, he poured out his life unto death and was numbered among the transgressors. He bore the sin of many. He carried our sin and made an accession for the transgressors. On the cross, he was carrying the blame not of himself, because he only ever loved his father, only ever obeyed all that he called him to do. He willingly went to the cross because it was the will of the father. He chose to do that. He chose to go there to carry the weight of our sin, our transgression, our iniquity. That's why he chose to suffer. And if you read on through Acts chapter 8, when Philip explained this to the Ethiopian, he caught on very quickly. God had been at work clearly in his, his heart and mind for some time. And so we're told that having understood, having responded to that message, um, he was baptised immediately because there, there was some water nearby. Now baptism signifies many things, but one of the things that it signifies is a fresh start. Going down into the water and coming up out of the water, the water symbolises the cleansing that takes place when you are, to use a biblical expression, washed by the blood of Christ. Washed because he's, he's poured out his blood. He's died on your behalf. So we can be cleansed from that which sullies us right to our very hearts and minds and souls. We can be made clean because Jesus carries the weight of our sin. He takes the penalty that is due for our guilt. So as he poured out his life on the cross, he was carrying the sin of the Ethiopian official. And every person who, like that man, turns to God seeking forgiveness, committing their lives to following Jesus. Which is why the last thing we read about in the Bible about the Ethiopian is he goes on his way rejoicing. It is frustrating, isn't it? It's, it's so difficult when you realise how wrong you've been and you realise there are consequences that you can't undo anymore than you can unshatter the crystal bowl that's lying in small pieces on your kitchen floor. But we can be cleansed. We, the, the weight of our sins can be lifted from our, our shoulders because, because of the servant of the Lord. Because of the one whom Isaiah saw, God had given him this vision of a future when someone would suffer terribly. Someone would, would go through that awful instrument of Roman torture, of dehumanisation, of, of indignity. We can know the joy, the pure delight of forgiveness, knowing that the God we have wronged 
welcomes us home because of the, the, the suffering of his son on the cross. He welcomes us home like the, the, the father of the prodigal we read about in the scriptures. His son who had wished him dead. The father welcomed him home like God welcomed home that, that Ethiopian man. Like he welcomes us home when we turn to him in Christ. I hope you're looking forward to next weekend, next Friday. We call it Good Friday. It's an awful and wonderful day that we look back on when Christ suffered terribly, but he suffered for us. And I hope you're also looking forward to Sunday, next week, when we celebrate how the the empty tomb, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, confirms his identity as the Lord who has the name now above all names, who now offers us complete forgiveness and a whole new life here and into eternity. So friends, in a moment we're going to sing a beautiful song of celebration of all that Jesus has done and the love that it shows he has for us. But first, I'm going to give you an opportunity to to join me in saying a prayer of confession recognising the ways in which we together have fallen short of God's calling for us. So I'll give you a moment to prepare and then I invite you to join me in the prayer of confession that will come up on the screen. Shall we pray together? Merciful Father, we have strayed from your ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the schemes and desires of our own hearts and have broken your holy laws. We have left undone what we ought to have done and we have done what we ought not to have done. Yet, good Lord, have mercy on us. Restore those who repent. According to the promises declared to us through your Son, Jesus Christ, grant, merciful Father, for his sake, that from now on we may live godly and obedient lives to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and sing, My Song is Love Unknown.
While you remain standing, uh, three quick things, and then we'll entrust one another to God's care in a word of dedication. Uh, the first thing is, uh, someone uh, Martin just let me know uh, through the service that um, uh, Jean uh, Sharman, uh, who many of you who've been here at Sh Shawman, sorry, uh, many of you will know her better than I did, clearly. Um, her, the service uh, for her uh, Thanksgiving will be held on Wednesday this week at 11.30 at Warrywood Brook Chapel. I'll put the details of that and also the memorial uh, for uh, Basil South in an email uh, tomorrow. Uh, the second thing is to say that not long after we leave, uh, there's another service beginning with a completely reconfigured uh, front part of the church here, so you'll understand the team coming in and moving around quite a bit of furniture, I'm sure. The other one is morning tea will be served very shortly, but. Before we head out to that and the rest of the week, let's uh, pray this together. Heavenly Father, with gratitude for all your mercies, we offer ourselves to you as a living sacrifice. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, send us out in the power of your Spirit to live and work to your praise and glory. Amen. Amen.